name is Meredith. And my name is Dustin. And we're the host of... The Alexander Standard. <clears throat> That's better. Inspired by Rex Factor Podcast, we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great. From Perdiccas... To Cleopatra the Seventh. After Alexander the Great died, really hit the fan. Seriously, the Hellenistic world was a crazy place. And we've got some crazy stories to tell you. So please come check out our show, The Alexander Standard. So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia, from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he, him. Okay, so hello everybody! Welcome to episode 13, where we have another Darius! Hooray! Darius II, also known as Darius Ocus, because that was apparently his birth name. So there yeah. we go. It's a cool name to have. It reminds me of Oculus, you know, so like kind of eye-related. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine this Darius with a great multitude of eyes like a biblical angel. That is what I will see. See how that makes much. it more entertaining. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot to recap from the last three episodes, basically. Because, as you will have heard, Xerxes II and Sogdianus, short episodes. Not much happening. So let's just hop back to Darius's father, who is Artaxerxes I. So if you remember, just to speed through that, during Artaxerxes' reign, the empire was sort of fraying a little bit at the edges. It was having a few rebellions that needed to be dealt with. It was, you know, doing okay, but no longer in the Golden Age, is the point. Oh, correct, yes. Sad. And in the meantime, in Greece... Athens had been tormenting the Achaemenid Empire for a while, just financing rebellions and attacking border cities. Oh, true. Shakes fists. Athens! <laughs> but blessedly, at the end, Athens got into a cage match with a knife in the middle with Sparta, and they're now trying to stab each other's eyes out or something like that. Back to the classics. Yeah, back to the good old days. And in the meantime, in the Achaemenid Empire, Artaxerxes I died of natural causes, surprisingly. And oh, then yeah, Xerxes true. II and Sogdianus succeeded rapidly, being usurped one after the other, and then dying violently. Sogdianus in an ash room, which is always... Oh, yeah, that... Listen... One, like, sure, one of them was like, oh, yes, uh, both of these kings didn't last very long because one usurped the throne right after the other, blah, blah, blah. But, like, one of them was stabbed, which, you know, usual method Standard. of getting rid of a king and usurping the throne. The other one was put in a contraption <laughs> made to kill people. I, listen, listen, Barisatis, please, can you, <laughs> was that her name? Let me check. Yes, but that is. Right. Yeah, I remember it. Because, you know, intense. <laughs> yes, the ashroom is still going to be in use for a while. Keep it in mind. 
The they, they didn't throw it away after using it the first time. Oh it's still goodness. around. Lord protect us. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's get into Darius himself. And let's see, how his reign lasts? Will he last any longer? What are your expectations compared to Darius 1? Well, certainly not as good. Darius 1 was just made for this podcast. He is, he is yes. wonderful. <laughs> he was incredible. The, the intrigue, the conquest, the advances in, in engineering and in social, you know, cultural, th- just everything. It had everything. So the bar is really up there. Yeah, so it is quite a big name to live up to, but uh, we'll see if he makes it. We'll see if he lasts more than a year, unlike his other brothers. I mean, I already like the cockiness of I am going to just call myself Darius II, like purposefully choose that name. I'm like, all right, well, let's see if you got what it takes, little boy. All right. (laughs) So let's see. Probably a man by now, just, you know. I mean, he's a skeleton by now, but still. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Darius II was born with the name of Ochus, as we mentioned, as the son of Artaxerxes I and a Babylonian concubine named Cosmartidene. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Babylonians don't at me. (laughs) And as we saw before, he was the half-brother of Xerxes II and Sogdianus. And apparently he was old enough during the reign of his father that he was made satrap of Hyrcania, which is an area south of the Caspian Sea. And there is where we find him during Sogdianus' episode, where Sogdianus asks him, hey, come to the capital and show me your loyalty. And Darius responds, no, my name is now Darius. I am coming for you. You can surrender if you like. (laughs) And... There we go. And there Sogdianus surrenders, but is murdered by Parasatis. Because she knows what is best. Yes, Parasatis, who you will want to know, is the half-sister wife of Darius II. Because when he made himself king, she told him, join me and together we will rule the empire as husband and wife. And he said, sounds cool. You are scary. I will do what you tell me to do. Pretty much. (laughs) I feel like that's a reasonable reaction to have. But yeah, so unfortunately for this episode, we have very few native Iranian records of Darius's reign. And most of the information comes from Greek sources and from a Greek perspective. So there's going to be a lot of bias there, a lot more view from the west of the empire where, you know, Athens and Sparta are killing each other oh no so they're killing each other another writing gossip about the persians because they, they can't solve their own problems so they're going to pretend like the kind persians of, are yes. doing worse come on uh, almost you'll see it's uh it's a lot <laughs> but we'll find out i'm already mourning the fact that we do not have that many iranian sources for this episode because i cannot yeah. wait for the incredible bias With that in mind, (laughs) let's go. But hey, we're getting closer and closer to Tejas being personally in the story. Ooh, that'll be fun. Okay, so to start with, as soon as Darius ascends the throne, one of his other half-siblings, called Arcites, starts a revolt to take the throne. No. Who is this man? I mean, probably the son of another concubine. All of them are trying it. Might as well. Yeah. 
So Arsites decides, well, there's been three usurpations in the last year. I can be the fourth king. Let's go. Seems like a great idea. Kings seem to have a really long lifespan anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a great job. It has a low life expectancy, but hey, it's enjoyable while you're at it. <laughs> so Arsites contacts, not exactly an old friend of ours, but an old mm-hmm. connection of ours, because... <gasps> the uh, what, the Greek, the Greek that sold out Athens to oh, the Persians? No. Oh, Themistocles was dead by now. Oh, was, what a shame. Know, he was yeah. old, but that would have been nice. Eh, worth a try. But actually, he contacts instead a Persian of one of the seven great noble families that we have in the empire. He contacts the son of Megabyzus, called Atrifius. Ooh, should I write down his name? No, it's fine. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, Arsites and Atrifius get together and start a revolt against Darius' armies. They build their own force, and they defeat Darius in one battle. They defeat Darius in two battles. But on the third time, they are finally defeated. Okay. And Darius manages to bribe their Greek mercenaries away so that they lose a significant part of their army. I mean, they won two out of three, but that's not how it works, really. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah, you need to win the final battle to actually <laughs> have it count. I see. So, so having their mercenaries paid off, Atrifius... Megabyzus' son, surrenders first. He submits himself to the mercy of the king and says, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Didn't expect this to go this way. You can understand how we thought we had a chance. Sorry. At which point, Parasatis looks at him. Oh, (laughs) no. Please forgive us. No. (laughs) And unfortunately, we don't get much detail because the Titius is damaged, so we don't have as much information. But Pyrosatis uses Atrifius to lure Arsites out. So she ensures that Atrifius looks like he's going to go make a deal. But then as soon as Arsites shows up, boom, both captured. Oh, okay. So now what do you think Pyrosatis does? Kill them. How? In the chamber of ashes? Yes! Of course! She didn't pay for the ash room to not use it. So now she's going to suffocate them both in ash. Great. So, great start to his reign. Now, at this point in Susa, we get an Athenian embassy arriving. So the Athenian embassy arrives and sees a pile of dead kings and an ash room that has been recently used. And they ask, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Parasatis assures them everything is fine. Don't ask any more questions. Under control. Don't you... Can't you see that everything is under control? (laughs) Exactly. So the Athenians think, okay, fine, better not ask too many questions. And they come to Darius to renew the peace that was stipulated under Artaxerxes. If you remember, it's the basically the non-interference clause that they're not going to do anything with each other because technically yeah. the Athenians had still been at war with the Achaemenids for now, you know, fighting off the, for the little islands in Anatolia. But it, it appears that the Athenians, since they're now planning a big expedition into Sicily, want to make sure that their back is covered. I see. Even though they're a pain in the butt. Yes. They are a pain in the butt, but, you know, Darius is thinking, I'm unstable enough on my throne as it is. I'd rather have one less problem to deal with. So, Uh, Understandably so. So at this point, we get another revolt. Hooray. Oh, wonderful. Because in 413, which is... 
a while after this started. We have a big gap in the sources, unfortunately. Hmm. The satrap of Sardis, which is in Anatolia, basically the old Lydian capital, mm -hmm. starts a revolt to try and either declare independence or try and fight against the king. But fortunately for us, there is a man called Tissaphernes that you'll have to remember. Hmm, Tissaphernes. Yes, who is essentially sort of like a super satrap for Anatolia, who was probably in charge of the war against Athens. He has the title of commander of the coastlands. So Tisphernes manages to fight the satrap Sardis, defeat him, bribe away his mercenaries, and then the satrap is sent over to the capital where he's shown the ash room, door locked, bye-bye. So all the rebels are shown to the chamber of ashes, except the son of this satrap, who runs away to Athens, and the Athenians refuse to give him back. The hmm. Athenians actually finance this rebel to continue fighting against the Empire. Um, yeah, okay. Because, you know, so, he doesn't like the Empire anyway, so... Yeah, so not great. So at this point, Tissaphernes, who is in charge of this whole area in contact with Greece, decides that, okay, maybe it might be time to interfere in the Peloponnesian War and ensure that Athens won't be meddling so much anymore. Because it's getting annoying now. So Tissaphernes decides to join the war on the side of Sparta. As you would. And, you know, try and weaken the Athenians in this way. Yeah. Yeah, so regarding weakening the Athenians, there are two different philosophies. So there's one by Tissaphernes, who seems to be mostly wanting to fund the Spartans mainly without having right. to interfere directly. So he's mostly a fund person yeah that helps yeah i mean it's not as expensive as controlling a whole army it's you don't yeah. have to you know spend human people it's a lot more <laughs> hands-off all you need to as do is opposed just trust to what mechanical people <laughs> maybe they could have robots that would be cool yeah one said the opposite view or rather the contrasting view is that of another smaller satrap called farnabazus who instead wants to finance rebellions in Athenian cities, in Athenian allied cities, and mm -hmm. then attack directly. So it is a slightly more aggressive turn. But since Tissaphernes is in charge, we're going with his plan for now. So Tissaphernes wants to just provide weapons, essentially, and Farnabazus wants to actually intervene? Yeah, exactly. So okay. Farnabazus wants to just go in there with Chemeda troops, attack cities, take islands, that sort of thing. While Tissaphernes is saying, that sounds like a lot of work. We can just which pay it, the Spartans which it to is. do our dirty work. Yeah, which it is a lot of work legitimately. And, you know, why risk all of that when the Spartans are already fighting? Let's just do this. So what happens is that a Spartan embassy arrives to Tissaphernes in 410. And they hmm. make a deal for how to run this war together. Right. So essentially, the Spartans agree to give back every city that they take under Athenian control that was once held by the Achaemenids, including Darius I and Xerxes Ooh. I. Okay. They agree to return any of these cities that they catch back to the Achaemenid Empire. Well, Sparta will keep its own city. Mm -hmm. So it's unclear why the Spartans are being this generous, like if they need yeah. it that badly. Or if maybe the Spartans misunderstood and just meant all the cities in Asia, while the Achaemenids understood all the cities that they owned, full stop. Yeah, because well, this depends on how many cities the Achaemenids owned before, right? Like, how does this deal look for the Spartans if they, if they actually go through with it? 
Yeah, I mean, because if they're going through with it as the Achaemenids assume that it's going to work, as Tissaphernes assumes, mm -hmm. well then, you're getting pretty much all the cities that Xerxes took during his invasion of Greece. And that's a lot of land. That's going down into, into Thessalia, Macedon, all the northern coast of the Aegean Sea. That's... That's a lot of places, but apparently that is what they promised. So there might have been an error in translation or something, but there we go. And in return for getting all these cities back, the Achaemenids would fight the Athenians in their area of Asia and mm -hmm. provide for the Spartan fleet because the, the Spartans were famously bad at ships and the Athenians were famously good at them. So yeah. with the aid of Tisphernes, they should be able to even the playing field and then Sparta can push forward on land. So the war starts this way, and everybody starts to get cities. And Sparta and the Achaemenids make steady progress, capturing a lot of Athenian-aligned cities, among which, you will be interesting to know, is the city of Nidus, which should be familiar. Yeah, why do I know this name? Because it is the home city of a certain Tejas of Nidus. Ah, there we go. Here we go. We got there, fam. Yes. <laughs> Who at this point in 410 is captured by the Achaemenid forces, taken into slavery, and brought to the royal court. I see. Where he is taken as Parasatis' doctor. And so Ooh. he is finally in the court now, and he knows what's going on. So and there we really, go. truly has a reason to hate the Persians. I mean, yeah, he's probably... Again, he is a doctor, so he's a skilled well, Maybe he, he personally wasn't well. very badly treated, but like they still conquered his yeah, city. Yeah, they still conquered so, his know. city. He doesn't seem to hate them, especially in his writing, but he does mm -hmm. like the usual stereotypes. But there we go. So the war proceeds a little longer, and at a certain point, the deal with Sparta starts to break down because Tissaphernes realizes that, wait, Sparta, why aren't you returning the cities that you said you were going to return to us? Right. Why, why are you collecting their taxes? We, we had a deal. What are you doing? So everybody goes back to the drawing board because... Clearly something wasn't working and... The communication failed at some point. Yeah. It was kind of a problem. So they make a second deal. In the second deal, the Spartans agree to give back any cities that the Athenians took from the Achaemenids mm -hmm. in recent years. So it's okay. not you know, going back 50 years. It's saying, okay, if they took them in the course of this war, we'll give them back. All Otherwise, right. we'll just keep More them. reasonable. Fair enough. However, in exchange for the Spartans no longer giving all these extra mm -hmm. cities back, Tissaphernes reduced payment for the Spartan fleet. That makes so sense, saying, yeah. Fair enough. We accept how that works. But also this sort of reduction in the funds for Sparta might have been a uh, policy on Tissaphernes' side of ensuring that Athens gets the upper hand a little bit more so Ooh. that the war doesn't end too quickly. So that they can keep tiring each other out. So they out. can get more cities back? Probably also that, because it's good to fight Athens more. But also <laughs> because the idea is that if Athens and Sparta are fighting each other, then they don't have time to be a problem your rebellions for us. and uh, the yes. whole pain as the Athenians were when they were basically unchallenged yeah, before. War, it makes everyone weaker. So if your goal is to make another nation weaker, then just throw it into war. And if your own nation doesn't have to be the one fighting them, then it, that's excellent. Yeah, exactly. So it's important to have this sort of proxy war so mm. you know, we can deal with our things while they're eating each other. So there we go. It's at this point that 
at Tissaphernes' court, there arrives a man called Alcibiades. Okay. He is very cool and very interesting. We don't have time to talk about all of this stuff now, but to very quickly summarize his career. He was a famous and important Athenian politician, also a student of Socrates, Uh who campaigned for a great invasion of Sicily. However, it appears that one night before leaving for the expedition, he got drunk with some friends and desecrated a lot of statues of Hermes. Oh no! Chopping you off don't their naughty bits. No, he's the <laughs> he's to blame for that. Oh yes, come on! It's him. <laughs> so he's the guy. He did that, and then the next day he left off for the expedition to Sicily, hoping that nobody would mention the chopping off statues bit. But he then received a message from Athens saying, "Hey, we know it's you." Come back to Athens to stand trial for sacrilege. Yeah. At which point Alcibiades jumped ship, defected to Sparta, and told them, Hey, there's an Athenian expedition going to Sicily. These are the exact plans. Here's how to defeat them. No! Wait, (laughs) because he didn't want to go to trial? Are you serious? So he campaigned, like, he wanted to go to Sicily to do this, and then he immediately backed down and was like, Yeah, you know what? I'd rather do this and be a traitor to... Everyone I know, just so I don't have to stand trial. Exactly. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) This seems like a much harder plan than just going back and standing trial. Oh, don't worry. He's going to make it a lot harder on himself. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Because in Sparta, he has an affair with, I can't remember if it's the wife or the daughter of the Spartan king. Oh, yeah. Great. Brilliant idea. (laughs) Wonderful. These are Paris levels of silly decisions. Yes, he is very much in the Paris style. (laughs) Yeah, you see. (laughs) So he sleeps with the wife or daughter of the Spartan king. Spartan king Uh tries to arrest him, at which point... Alcibiades defects to the Achaemenids and runs away to Tissaphernes saying, please help. Oh my god. Are we gonna help him? Because, like, this is not going great. Well, Alcibiades asked Tissaphernes, hey, listen, could you support Athens? I know the Spartans have been annoying with uh, giving cities back. Athens could give you some of the Spartan cities back. You know, you could do a bit of back and forth. How does that sound? (laughs) Apparently they start to get talking, actually. And they start to get talking quite loudly because Tissaphernes is loudly announcing, oh, we had a great talk with the Athenians. Oh, wow. I wouldn't want to be their enemy. Oh, we're going to have such a great deal. It's going to be ooh, really scary for anyone that tries to oppose the Athenians. Just generally sending meaningful glances towards Sparta and winking. I see. But apparently, whatever deal they're trying to make with Athens doesn't seem to go through very well. Like Thucydides tells us that Darius was demanding that Athens abandon democracy so that they can be trusted. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Which the Athenians probably would have never accepted. So it seems more like Tisphernes and Darius are threatening Sparta by saying, hey, give us a better deal. We can always switch sides. Right. If we want to. You only can sail ships because we're allowing you to. Yeah. Be humble. So Sparta sends a new embassy to Tissaphernes. And in spring of 411, they conduct a third deal, finally. Oh, here we go. Okay. So Where this third and final-ish deal 
says that, okay, all the cities in Asia belong to the Achaemenids. Any city in Asia that is taken, given back to the Achaemenids. Excellent. Great. Any island is a gray area. Whoever gets there first can take it. While all of mainland Greece, Sparta can keep it. Okay. And in exchange, Tissaphernes is going to send the Achaemenid fleet to patrol the seas and help Sparta, and also give some payments. Great. Is everyone in agreement? Everyone happy? Yes, everybody seems to be happy enough. And the Sparta Achaemenid team starts to kick some Athenian butt. And things go pretty well. But let's shift back towards the east, because there are a lot of issues going on. (laughs) There is some court intrigue and some revolts which are happening. Mm. Well, first of all, there is a revolt in media that we know very little about. We just know that it happened and was suppressed. Oh, okay. But, you know, (laughs) not great news, but eh, still around. But also, we get to hear back from the eunuch Artaxares. Remember oh. him from the coup last time? Yeah, that eunuch. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. one of the many mischievous, treacherous eunuchs that we've had so far. Yes, that one. <laughs> They're getting a great representation. Everyone loves them. It's not going to improve. <laughs> but yeah, so Artaxares decides, you know what? I should be king. Uh, wonderful idea. I mean, we knew this is what we wanted all along. Yeah. So... Let's see what his plan is. Yeah. Problem is, Artaxares is a eunuch, as mentioned. Yeah. And it's in sort of a weird gray area as comes to gender, where he's not considered fully a man, but he's not a woman. So can he ascend the throne? Is this a thing he can do? Also, he won't be able to have any descendants. So like, isn't that kind of part of an issue? Yeah. If you want a stable monarchy that doesn't fall apart every time a king dies, which, you know, as we have learned so far, it's not a guarantee, even if you have sons, because then they will just kill each other constantly. Yeah. So this is a problem. And Artaxares decides, you know what I can do? Fake beard and mustache. That will make me seem more manly. And solve the problem. (laughs) I mean, like, he's not wrong. If that's the pro, like, if people were being about it because, you know, he wasn't perceived as a man, yes, go for it. Good luck on passing. We all want that. Um, Go for that. Also, is that the problem? Like, Uh, yes, I feel like that wasn't the main problem that he had to deal with. But don't worry, he also marries a woman. Ah, excellent. Step Still two can't two have an heir, a... but I suppose you can have well, a standing. You can pretend, you right? Know, you I can... guess. Who knows? But this woman, who Artaxaris married, is not on board with the plan. She thinks this is a terrible, terrible idea. Let's I not will probably do this. be killed. Yeah. Yes. She's so smart. the best way to survive is sending a letter saying, "Dear Parasatis, about this rebellion, can I hand this rebel over to you to have him murdered?" Love the wife of the rebel. Oh my, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I love her. Parasatis receives the letter, says, Oh, cool. I get to have a free rebel to kill tonight. Exciting times. And she takes Artaxares and has him executed. 
Although we don't know if they were yeah. using the ash room this time. It's unspecified, sadly. Oh. Well, we'll, pre we'll pro you know, judging by previous events, they probably did. Unless it was out of commission for some reason. So. Yeah, maybe they were cleaning up the ash room. You know, you need, they were getting fresh ashes in. You don't want the old ones. Artex Ares, here he is. Yeah, my notes. Well, he's here no <laughs> he's longer. He's gone. <laughs> yes, so there we go. But we get to have a little bit more of tasty, tasty Parasatis content. Because in all this time, Darius Parasatis had been having a few children. Right. Apparently they had 13 children together, although Ooh, well, only four made it to adulthood. All of them from Parasatis? Apparently. Whoa, ouch. We don't know if Darius had more concubines. Probably he did, but we don't hear about them. Yeah, I just, you know, being pregnant 13 times sounds like... Definitely not, especially since... Like, nine of them died of natural causes before reaching adulthood. That must yeah. not be a pleasant experience. More common before. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Uh, have some spares. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why. But yeah, so they have four children who survived to adulthood, two of which are important. The eldest is called Arsamis, and the youngest is called Cyrus. Right. Known as Cyrus the Younger to distinguish him from Cyrus the Great. Yeah, as opposed to Cyrus the Non-Great, which would be, you know. <laughs> that would be a sad nickname to have. Cyrus, yeah, yeah, the other one. Yeah, that's very sad. Cyrus the Younger. That's what Cyrus the First is called. Cyrus, yeah, the other one's grandfather. <laughs> yeah, so now that we get into the family, one of their four children is a daughter called <laughs> Amestris, like okay. her grandmother. And this daughter, Amestris, is given in marriage to the brother of Tissaphernes who is the satrap of Hyrcania, called Teritukmes. Now, Teritukmes is married to a princess. A great position, nice, cool, cool, good to have. Mm -hmm. But he's in love with his half-sister. Oh, come why not? <sighs> I guess. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but the problem is that you can't divorce a princess to marry your half-sister. That would be weird. That would be terrible. Also, Parasatis would be annoyed at you. Yeah, mostly, yeah, honestly. Like, all, all other reasons aside, that would be terrible because Parasatis will be mad at you. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't care about any other reason. <laughs> so, Terry Tukmis gathers 300 close friends and has the best plan that is definitely going to work and not going to backfire. Oh, no. Okay. As he places his poor wife, who had nothing to do with anything, in a sack, and has every one of the 300 people stab the sack. No! So no. that no one person can be blamed. No! Yeah. No! Just no! <laughs> just, it just... Is not good. I, I, none of this! None Absolutely of this none! <laughs> what? I... Yeah. How is the... I just... Oh my god. This is terrible for so many reasons. So god. bad. And Who yeah. thought? I just... Whose idea was this? A very dumb man's idea. Oh god. Very dumb and cruel. That's awful. Yeah. I hope Perisotis gets really mad at them. Well, your hopes are going to be satisfied. Oh great. One of the servants of Teritokmes finds out and secretly has Teritokmes killed and sends a letter 
to the palace saying, hey, this is what happened. Ooh. Please save me. So the servant directly has Teratokmis killed. Yes, he's one of his personal servants, so he manages to poison him. Okay, okay. Because that seems kind of dangerous to me. In the sense of like, you know, you are a servant, you're supposed to serve these people. Like, they are above you, right? So... I guess, but they're also traitors to the crown, so that might be a good way to not Uh, get yourself involved. So you definitely don't have any guilt with this, because... Slippery slope, but yes. Yeah. So Parasatis gets news that someone... 300 people killed her daughter. Oof. Okay, that's interesting. We're gonna have some fun killing people now. Exactly. Excellent. So Parasatis goes full Terminator, and... Yes, we can make some improvements to the chamber now. We have 300 people to try it with. Yeah, we have so many tests we can run through. So she hacks the half-sister of Teritokmis to death for inspiring the whole deal. Was it her fault, really? Like, eh, probably not, but, you know. The blood mist has descended over Parasatis' eyes. Yes. She's decided to not discriminate very much. Yeah. And then she has all of the family of Terry Tukmi's murdered. Ah. Uh. In gruesome ways that are not described, unfortunately. Oh, but, you know. Except for two people. First of all, Tissaphernes, who was spared for his loyal service to the crown for many years in mm-hmm. dealing with the Greeks. Who was it? Tissaphernes, the commander of the coastlands. The, the, yes, okay, dude that yes. was dealing with Sparta. And another person, who is a woman called Statyra, who was married to the Prince Arsamis, who was, for now, the heir apparent. Ah, uh, okay. So, we so Arsamis says, Mom, please don't kill my wife. She wasn't involved in the plot. Please be nice. We need her for the future of the Empire. Yes. Come on. Parasatis says, of course, son, I'll forgive her. And she makes a note in her murder book. Do not forget oh. Statyra. Okay. So this is going to be interesting. In the I future. mean, she did have nothing to do with anything, though. Yeah, but, you know, vengeance. You need vengeance. They killed her daughter. She needs to get revenge 300 fold. I see. Understandable. So there we go. But this seems to be something that permanently turns Parasatis against Tissaphernes and her son Arsamis. So Parasatis starts to strongly favor her son Cyrus and mm-hmm. want him to succeed. So Parasatis manages to pull some strings in the royal court and gets Tissaphernes demoted. So yes, he won't be executed for his relation. But he is no longer commander of the coastlines. He is just going to be a normal satrap. And Farnabazus, who was his opponent, gets a bonus. So he starts to conduct some actual expeditions against Athenian allies in the Bosphorus and the Hellespont. So now we have Achaemenid armies directly taking cities in a bit in Europe. Hmm. And back at the court, Parasatis wants her son Cyrus to succeed now. She doesn't want her eldest son to succeed She wants the one who isn't married to a woman she wants to murder really, really bad. Yeah, because then she has no more reason to spare the woman. Yeah, exactly. So she takes Cyrus and says, Cyrus, listen, I want you to succeed. But to succeed, you need to do something very impressive to show yourself better than your brother. So go kill your brother? (laughs) Not yet. Okay. (laughs) What she's going to do is say... 
listen, Cyrus, I'm going to give you the 16-year-old teenage Prince Cyrus control of the western coastlands. I'm going to give you old post. I don't... Uh, Parasatis, I... Look, I'm sorry, just... I don't mean to... I. It might cost me my life, but just uh, listen for a moment. I don't think... I. This might not be the best idea. For there a number are, of There reasons, are other ways. There yeah. are other ways. Just... Uh, this might not... Get... He's 16. <laughs> I mean, he just has to delegate. It's fine. Tissaphernes wasn't fighting on the front lines. It'll be okay. So Parasatis says to Cyrus, listen, kill Athens, destroy it, erase them from the face of the earth. Right. This will give you enough prestige to become the heir. Because after all, you defeated our yeah. longtime rival. Just fund Sparta as much as you need to end the war. Sound good? Cyrus says, yes, mom, I'll go. So he goes over to the Anatolian coast and gives full financial and military support to Sparta. Anything Sparta asks, they have it. Athens right. needs to go. So, and yeah, and Cyrus starts to pr proclaim loudly that he wants to help Sparta win the war. He wants to help them end it. He tells the Spartan ambassador, I have plenty of funds from Darius, and if these aren't enough, I will use my own personal money, and if that still isn't enough, I will sell my throne, sell my things, so that you can finally destroy Athens. Wow. That's a lot of promises. Promises that he doesn't seem to be able to keep very much. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Because either he's not paying much attention because he's a teenager in charge of a war. What yeah. is he doing? Or because he doesn't actually have the money he claims to have. But he starts to sort of miss out on some payments and alienates a Spartan commander who was asking for a pay rise. He says, mm. no, 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 I'm giving you enough money. You don't need this. Also... Some Athenian ambassadors came to him on the way to Darius saying, hey, we want to get a peace with the Achaemenid Empire. We would like to find something mutually positive. But for each ambassador that comes, Cyrus imprisons them. He imprisons three Wait. separate ambassadors Why? trying to go to the capital. Why? Because he doesn't want the war to end. He wants the war to end with the destruction of Athens. If yeah, they end well, the right. peace, then where's all his glory? He's not going to succeed. So he just true, imprisons yeah. every ambassador that arrives, just stuffs them into a room and hopes that Darius Nobody isn't going to question until... it. Yeah, great. So yeah, not ideal. So Cyrus continues a bit of this uh, policy against the Athenians for a few years, until in 406 he crosses a line. Ooh. Because a couple of cousins of Cyrus come to his court and they greet him, say, oh, hello, Cyrus. Great to see you. We're here to help. We're here to see, you know, how's the war going? And Cyrus has them both executed. Oh, great. Why does he have them executed? Yeah, I, that's what I was asking myself, you know? <laughs> because apparently they hadn't hidden their hands in their sleeves when they attended his court. <laughs> apparently, this was something that you did in court etiquette when meeting the king. Now, do you see the flaw in this? <laughs> He's not the king. That is exactly the issue. Darius receives news that... Wait, Cyrus did what? But, but wait, he isn't the king. Is he starting a revolt? Is this the start oh, of a no. revolt? He's so getting killed now. So Darius says, uh, Cyrus, I'm an old man. I'm sick. Cough, cough. Would you mm -hmm. mind leaving your command in Asia Minor and coming back to the capital? I'm an old man. Cough, cough. And Cyrus goes. 
because he's a teenager and an idiot. Sire <laughs> sort of sees this for what it is. He's like, oh, okay, okay I overreached. Yeah, you, yeah, you Better did. Better kiss yeah, up you to did. dad. Seriously, just killing people because, like, <laughs> not, not the best plan. Yeah. And so he starts heading back. But before he does this, he calls up the Spartan ambassador, says, hey, listen, I'm going to leave. I need you to kill Athens. Destroy them. Do whatever you have to. Athens needs to go. Otherwise, I am not succeeding. This is going to end poorly for all of us. Yeah. So he pours all the money of the treasury of his satrapies into the Spartan coffers. Mm. And Sparta absolutely annihilates the Athenian fleet in 405. Yes, finally. Wow. And without a fleet to import grain anymore, Athens is blockaded by land and by sea. And the next year, a starved Athens surrenders to Sparta. Whoa. The war is over, Sparta has won, the Athenian democracy is dismantled, and a puppet government. Ooh, I did not know. By Sparta is installed there. Well, I did not know that happened. Yes, this is basically the end of the Golden Age of Athens, because essentially the democracy dies there, because they have a Spartan oligarchy under the so-called 30 tyrants, and all the great playwrights and historiographers are pretty much dead at this point, and Athens won't produce new ones. This will be a good time for the philosophy of Athens, because Socrates is around and is going to criticize the new government Mm. a lot. Right. But, you know, Aristophanes stops making political plays. Thucydides dies shortly before the end of the war. I mean, Mm. he dies after, but, you know, Thucydides' history ends shortly before the end of the war. So it's it's all of a a bit sad, because the glory Mm. that was Athens is gone. But back to the Achaemenids. In the meantime, trouble is brewing in Egypt. While Cyrus is on his way back to court, a rebellion springs up in Egypt, and it is a very big rebellion. It is under a native man claiming to be the last relative of the last native pharaoh of Egypt, Hmm. who is claiming himself to be pharaoh and to reclaim his birthright. Right. This rebellion is quickly spreading up the Nile like wildfire. All the cities are falling one by one. It is <laughs> threatening to break away the entire satrapy from the empire. Oh, no. And Darius, as apparently is custom for Darius's, spent his last year organizing an expedition to suppress this Egyptian revolt. But in March 404, while Darius was in Babylon, he died between no. the age of 50 and 60. Before he could suppress this rebellion. Oh, no. And he left the succession in the capable hands of his darling wife, Parasatis, and his two competing sons, Arsamis and Cyrus. Oh, great. Well, she already had a favorite, so... Yeah, so we'll see next time how long the supposed heir to the throne, Arsamis, lives. (laughs) Well, already very ominous. I love it. (laughs) Let's see how it works when you're against Parasatis. Right, yeah. So yeah, so that is what we have for Darius II. Am I correct in thinking we haven't talked about him all that much? There was basically nothing about Darius II in his episode, unfortunately. I was like, was I just not paying attention? (laughs) Yeah, it's mostly because all the Greek historians are looking at the Peloponnesian War, and their only contact with the Achaemenids is through Tissaphernes first, then Cyrus. They're just communicating with the people in charge of dealing with the war. Yeah, 
We but, we truly have a very like only Greek. Uh, yeah, which is kind of sad because presumably interesting things were going on elsewhere, but we don't have mm. much news. No, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, but we did get the court intrigue with Parizatis murdering a bunch of people. Oh yeah. One of the leading things of Darius's reign that is noted is the fact that under him there's a lot of rebellions of satraps and different governors. So that is a bit of the cracks that are showing within the mm -hmm. empire structure because things are not going as well as they could be. Yeah, truly. But yeah, so are you ready to rate this man? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see how <laughs> much we can us to, out us to how, but let's let's go. We'll see what happens. Okay, first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? A natural-ish, presumably, death? Unless you subscribe to Parasatis poisoned him to ensure that Cyrus wouldn't get punished. Which, eh, maybe, but we have absolutely no evidence for it. And mm -hmm. uh, it was in a dramatic moment, sort of. With Athens dies Darius. Yeah, but, we eh. don't know all that much. And nobody killed him. It was just like, I'm in the middle of something. And then just, you know, yeah. cough, cough. Oh, no. Ah. Yeah, dead. I have... Meh. I'm going I don't think a... I could remember this death at no, all. definitely not. So with all the other things going on, I'd give it a... I, I, I won, but why? Yeah, I'm honestly going for a zero. I don't, I yeah, don't see a reason for a zero. to go one. So, okay. Yeah. Zero and zero is a zero out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he or his delegates at warfare? We have a few ideas, because remember Darius is the guy that... Well, he didn't defeat Sogdianus in battle, to be fair. No. What did he do? He defeated the rebellion in media so quickly that we don't know anything about it. Right. Which, you know, but... You know, good. not bad. Um, we just... Don't know anything about it, but yeah. good good sign, I guess. Then his subject to Sophernes sort of handled the Peloponnesian War, keeping it to a stalemate, getting back a few Athenian cities. Nothing too impressive, but eh, it's all right. Cyrus, under his command, basically ended the Peloponnesian War, ensured that it would be over. Well, under his command, like he just shoved his money funding, to yes. it. <laughs> Yeah. shoveled money into the crag until it filled up and it was like okay job done yeah basically so eh, battle hardness not too much and then uh tisophernes also defeated a rebellion in anatolia but it's nothing too impressive it's it's okay but mm, i'm aiming for like a two or three well i mean there were a lot of battles going on but since we focused on the Peloponnesian War. Those were mostly the battles we've been talking about. Yeah, and there were and a couple those rebellions were that got you know battles. You know, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of rebellions. Like he stopped the rebellion of um, Megabyte's son and his half brother. Oh, that's true. That um, one was at the beginning. I missed Arisitis. that. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Point. And then there was another revolt that is the one we talked about that just got snuffed. Yeah, with Artaxares just so that's snuffed out. Good. I, you know, points. Yeah. You know, now that you tell me that, I think I'm going to do four points. One point per rebellion plus one for the Peloponnesian War. And yes, I, I feel that like sounds that's acceptable. All right. You also go for will a match. Four? Yeah, I will match your suggestion. So with a four and a four, 
we get an 8 out of 20 for battle hardness, which is a weirdly middle ground score for us, because otherwise they've either been a lot higher or a lot lower. So congratulations on being the most middling fighter, Darius. So next category is scheminess. How schemy was this man? Uh, he gets something uh, here, because he, you know, he declared a rebellion against his brother and managed yes. to take the throne. Yes, that was good. That was pretty good. I don't know if you want to count the calling back Cyrus and trying to deal with that situation. Yeah. That's not great. The other scheminesses are mostly attributed to Parasatis. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I was, I was like, well, I mean, if we're going to rank Parasatis here, then yes, then a lot. <laughs> um, but that's not what the podcast is yeah. about, sadly. I mean, she definitely deserves everything. She, yes. she definitely deserves a VIP seat next to the Megabizes to watch oh, yes, unfold. Yes, absolutely. I am calling that now. That's... <laughs> Perfect. So Parasatis, please go to your seat. We'll see how your story <laughs> ends. Even before it ends, you're still too cool. Whenever you feel like it, of course. We're not going of to course. force you or anything. Don't, just no, uh, no pushing. On your own terms. Yeah. So scheminess, it's either... It depends how much you want to add Parasatis for being his wife. You know, how much he yeah. gains there. But otherwise, there's the overthrowing of Sogdianus. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I actually expected there to be more, but no. No, not really. Nah. What shall we do? Like a... Mm. I don't... Uh, I'd say a two for overthrowing his brother. Because he did manage to yes. organize all the different yeah, important Yeah, that's, that's difficult, and, as we've seen. Yeah, get support. Yeah. Many so have did, tried. Yeah, he, he did better he than Sogdianus in doing yes. this. Okay, but Sogdianus got four points. Hmm. But Sogdianus was a lot more stabby-stabby. I, I, yeah, there, I, were, there were a lot more things going uh, on. Yeah, so I'd say two points for overthrowing his brother and one token point for all the Parasatis nonsense. Because he chose a good wife. Yes. <laughs> and that worked. Yeah, so, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'd be going for three for scheminess. I was hoping we would get more recountings of Theseus being like, hey, this, is, this woman is terrifying. Here are some stories about her. Oh, we get more next time. Ooh, excellent. This time, it seemed like Tisius was still new at the job. And he yeah. was probably just working his way up the court through various nobles. Great, and great. Towards the end of the raid, he definitely is in charge, which is when he's talking about Parasatis murdering 300 people for killing her oh. daughter. Right, yes. So, yeah, I'd say three points for scheminess. What is your... Thought. Yeah, yeah, that seems You're correct. Matched. Very matched yeah. today. Okay, so three mm. and three points is six out of twenty for scheme. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was he? Eh. Uh, yeah. We barely mentioned him, but that's yeah. not his fault, to be fair. That's source's fault, and somebody else is going to burn all our sources' fault. So, eh. Uh... I guess one point yeah, for the no. usurpation. Really? Is that that shocking? I feel like one point he deserves it. Like he could have stopped Parasatis from killing Sogdianus after they made a deal to save his life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. I forgot I feel about like that. One point, but yeah, it's not. Definitely not more than that. Yeah. Sorry, Darius. Yeah, the sorry, second. Sorry, Darius. You're 
Definitely not as good as Darius the first, and probably not as good as Darius the third, but we'll be the judge of that. Ooh, there's more Dariuses. There are nice. multiple Dariuses in the future, yes. One in one point for shock factor, two out of twenty. Not going well. Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire? Did he contribute what to What happened it? in the Empire? Well, Can I we think he a... did a reasonably good thing. Well, first of all, he put a stop to a chain of usurpations that had been going on the previous year. So yes. that's definitely helping rather than having, you know, a new king every six months. Mm -hmm. Next, he, well, he sort of managed to, through his various policies, deal with the Athens problem. Now, Athens is not going to concern us anymore. Athens isn't going to... Mm -hmm attack Egypt or Cyprus or all that. They have been thoroughly subdued. Excellent. You can see how much you want to give that to his policies and how much you want to give to Sparta. Eh. <laughs> well, I mean, they helped, right? So Yeah, they helped. Next, what did he do? He sort of suppressed a series of different revolts by satraps and nobles in the empire. You can see... <laughs> If to put that as bad job that he didn't stop the revolts before they started or good job that he suppressed <laughs> them when they happened. I don't think anybody can have future vision, you know, like. Yeah, but if you hear that somebody is grumbling, then you, there weren't any revolts of that kind under Xerxes I, presumably, True. either because he was doing a very good job or because if there was something, he nipped it in the bud before it was a threat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So. You can see that. And then as an upside, the empire sort of kept together. We don't hear anything terrible happening. But Wait. in the very last year of his reign, Egypt starts to break away. He didn't really have a chance to deal with the problem. But yeah, no, I feel like... It was under his reign. Eh. I don't feel like judging him too harshly for it, but... Well, no, he still. didn't get to do anything about it because he died. Yeah, I feel like death is a pretty army. good excuse. <laughs> fair enough. He didn't show up to work today because he died, so fair enough. So, Ehrenstein, I'm remembering that we gave... I give Artaxerxes a four and you give him a three. I feel like this matches it. I feel like this yeah. is... Yeah. Holding the things together, but not improving them. They're just aging. He's not putting in the effort to reform things and improve mm -hmm. things like... Darius the first did. He is just sort of accepting that he has a good thing going and not fixing the leaks where they're yeah. happening. I so agree. I'm going to match my Artaxerxes and go with a four. I'll go with a three. Okay, so also matching Artaxerxes. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, I think it's reasonable. So a four and a three for Aaron Shine gives us a seven out of twenty. Next category is face of faces. What did this man look like? <laughs> we'll. It's difficult to find out, but hey, let's see. Let's first of all see what Serial thinks our friend Darius looked like. Oh yeah, and let me get to it. he had all the eyes, or not. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna go for, because it's not like I have much more, honestly. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, not too much. And mild spoilers for the portrait. Eh, we also don't have much of that. Yeah, fun. Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing and is ready to show me what Darius looks like in all his glory. Ooh, oh, I love this. This is very good. Very, very nice. <laughs> okay. I had to. Audience, first of all, 
look it up on the website. There's a link in the description for the website. It looks awesome. And secondly, let me describe it. So first of all, there is Darius to the left looking very fierce. Nice, good, strong Achaemenid beard, as you should. <laughs> and he has a lot of wonderful eye accessories. He has a nice robe with eyes on the hem. Yeah, I had to. And a cool belt with an eyeball in the center, which... This is fully just my good. own artistic interpretation. It doesn't have anything to do with anything, but, you know, that's a... <laughs> Still, it looks good. I like it. I'm all, I'm all here for it. So, nice robe, hands behind his back, staring forward. And to, to his left, or to our right, is the star of the show, which is Parasatis, with a hand on his shoulder, looking yes, very uh... cool, radiating, presumably, thoughts of murder. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. I had to include Parasatis. I had to. I mean, she definitely deserves a portrait, so yeah. So she looks excellent, has a nice, very cool necklace, cool robe, with a belt in the middle of it, and a nice hat with are those little skulls yes <laughs> i love it oh uh, you're welcome <laughs> so this is excellent please check it out it is absolutely brilliant okay but now serial are you ready to see what this man actually looked like from his tomb at we... nakshirostam do we have anything i'll be happy to get anything <laughs> for the first time in two episodes yes we do have something yes show yeah. me don't don't celebrate yet. <laughs> oh, oh come on, man! Here is Darius too on his tomb. Describe him. Oh no, no! <laughs> you gave me hope, saying we had something, and then you took it away. <laughs> it's better um, than nothing. Not much better. That's but true. Still. It's very sad because it's a very eroded and not well preserved relief of him on some stone similar to others that we've seen before but you know this one is completely eroded away so i can tell he's got two hands <laughs> and holding something presumably a bow on one of them and uh that's it yeah everything else is just and, sadly uh, probably a beard and yeah. that's it yeah i don't know if the tomb is poorly exposed compared to the others because this is where everybody else has their tomb but no Artaxerxes I had a much better portrait, but... True. Darius too. I'm sorry. You look much better in Serial's version. <laughs> At least you, you have a face, you know. Yeah, it's always nice to have a face when you're portrayed. But yeah, so face of faces, what are you willing to give? I'm willing to give something, but not much. I mean, at least obviously. we have a contemporary, presumably... Yeah, um, sort of it. ...portrait, but... Hmm. I think like a two. I was also thinking two. One for the fact that it's We have something and it is and contemporary. Yeah. There. yeah. So two as well. Yeah. Okay, so two and two gives us a one out of five for Face of Faces, which is the worst score for anybody with a portrait, which I think is fair. Okay, and finally, our last category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man ruled? Especially well, compared to Sogdianus and Xerxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a fair amount since, you know, it was the whole war and everything. And he died of presumably natural causes. So, uh... Yeah, he was between 50 and 60, know. so... Eh. Hmm. When did he ascend to the throne? 
you send it in 424. 423, actually. At the um, beginning of it. I don't know. That doesn't give me any, <laughs> <laughs> any help. I'm going to say 20 years. That's pretty much almost on, on the dot. Hey. It was 19 years of rain from 423 Whoa, to 404. So good. Which, yeah, is pretty significant because there was a lot of back and forth with Aston's and Sparta. There were several rebellions. There was a lot going on, just not much of Darius in it, really. He's, mm. again, sort of like Astyages, a bit of a side character in his own story. But yeah, so that leads us to the final score, which is a predictable, I think, 25.9 out of 100, which is just barely under Artaxerxes the first and slightly above Froertes and Bardia. So one of the less Fair impressive enough. rulers we've had, but at least he beats both his siblings, Xerxes II and Sogdianus. So better than nothing. So this leads us to our final question, which I think I know the answer. Is he fascinating enough, interesting enough, visible enough, have a good enough wife to be called a Shah? <laughs> or is he rather just a Shah? I listen. Parisatis has her spot of honor yes. next to Megabysis. Great VA. Darius the second. Uh, I'm so sorry. It's not his fault. We just the sources yeah. are not there. So if there were sources, I'm probably sorry. Could have done something good, but I mean, I'm sure it was a very interesting monarch. But yeah, for what we had to work with, I'm sorry. Darius II, uh, I cannot give you the Shahan Shah. Yeah, so I agree. You're a Shahad Nah. Oh, so so sad. And sorry, Darius, we'll send you out into the desert. You can meet Sogdianus and Xerxes too and have a chat about how being king is difficult and and not a very rewarding job in this time period. So, yeah, that is all that we have for Darius II, Ocus. Next episode is going to be Arcetes, the eldest son of Darius, and we see how he deals with the Cyrus Parizatis team up. How long do you think he will last? Um, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> will we finally think... have a peaceful succession or will we continue the trend of not really going listen, peacefully into that good night? Uh, Parizatis does not favor him, so uh, I have bad news. so yeah that's going to be an exciting time for next episode which is going to be action-packed so get ready for that and you have something to look forward to yeah well thanks so much for listening all the way through i hope you enjoyed today's episode and as always find all the contact details and notes and anything we've talked about in the episode on the episode notes or on our websites everything will be linked somewhere below you know yes, the drill definitely. remember to check out no Sarah's awesome drawings on the website and also any potential <laughs> maps that might be popping up if you want to have a look take care and we will see you next week yeah have a nice week and uh, goodbye